Bulletproof Radio, a state of high performance. You definitely want to listen through to the end of today's show because this is a fascinating conversation with a guy who does a lot of work with major celebrities on teaching their bodies to move. We're going to talk about things that cause pain in your body and things that affect even things like traumatic brain injury. You're going to learn about how moving your head changes things. You're going to learn how to sit on an airplane so you don't have pain after you've been there for a long time. You'll learn what to do while you're laying on your back to increase lymphatic flow so that you have. Everyone's talking about red light therapy beds and for good reason. There's a company called ARRC LED that's building an entirely new class of LED devices. ARRC LED beds integrate proprietary scanning technology and frequency protocols to shape the delivery of six different wavelengths in dose-optimized photobiomodulation. Yes, that's a lot of words. What it is, though, is that photobiomodulation improves the underlying energetics of the cells in your body. And those changes can benefit nearly every tissue and organ and system in your body. You change your cells and you change your life. For more information, visit ARRCLED.com more energy all day long and you're even going to learn a type of breathing called east-west breathing which can make a huge difference in how your posture works it's amazing what your feet and your hips have to do with your brain we're going to go through all of that for you with a guy who's trained some of the very top names in professional sports as well as uh, tony and a bunch of other people you'll find this just packed with info for you you'll also hear a pretty fascinating story about how bulletproof coffee helps our guest have enough energy to start reading late in life. You're listening to Bulletproof Radio with Dave Asprey. Today's cool fact of the day is that a thin layer of DNA might end up being your new sunscreen. We know, and if you've read Headstrong, you definitely know this, that ultraviolet light gets picked up by DNA and it can cause damage, but it can also stimulate positive growth. So German researchers realized that if they could use DNA as a sacrificial layer, given that it is light sensitive, that you could put this on your skin. So they made an optically transparent crystalline DNA film and figured out that they could hit it with UV light. And instead of your DNA taking the hit, the layer of DNA on top of your skin takes the hit. So it protects your skin. And the more this stuff they made was exposed to UV, the better it got at absorbing it. And as an added bonus, this new stuff they're working on is hygroscopic, which means that when you put it on your skin, that it can store and hold water, which keeps your tissue extra hydrated. So maybe there's a way to allow you to go out into heavy sun and protect your skin, but still allow some of the ultraviolet light through. Because if you go out and you get no UV light, it's just as bad as getting way too much UV light. So so just because something is good for you or bad for you, it doesn't matter. Water is bad for you if you drowned in it. And if you have no water, you die of thirst. So there's always a comfortable medium, even with sunlight. And it's kind of cool that maybe instead of estrogenic cancer-causing chemicals in your sunscreen, how weird is that? It might be a little bit more appropriate to use a natural compound to block sunlight. So let's see if that becomes a real product. I sure hope so. And before we get into today's episode, if you don't know it, Bulletproof has coffee pods. So if you travel a lot like I do, or maybe you're just lazy and you don't know how to make a good cup of coffee by grinding your beans, hopefully by hand in a tidy little grinder made by elves. Okay, maybe you just do it in a normal grinder the way I do. But you can actually get a coffee pod that will work in your hotel room or in your office room. They're compatible with the Keurig K-Cups. And just as you'd expect, the Bulletproof coffee in each of these is third-party lab tested for 27 different toxins, just like all of the coffee that I make. Beans are obsessively selected, tested, 
uh, tested and exotically processed to be as free of these toxins that rob your performance as is humanly possible. So if you're going to drink coffee, which is a really good idea, don't get the crash that comes along with it when you get a load of mold-derived neurotoxins along with it. So do what, do what it takes to get your cup of coffee. And if a pod is the way to do it, we've got your back. Just go to bulletproof.com and look for the coffee pods. And if you like this kind of stuff, you like today's episode, make sure to go to bulletproof.com slash iTunes. It'll take you literally one second to forward you to the right page on Apple in order to leave a positive review for the show. It makes a huge difference to me personally. I look at the review count every single day and it tells me that I'm doing the right thing and it tells me that the show is helping you. So do uh, do that. It just takes a second. It's a great way to say thanks. Today's guest is a guy I've shared a stage with a time or two who is incredibly knowledgeable about the science of human movement, pain, recovery, athletic performance. And he's the vice president of therapy protocol for Egoscu. And he's worked side by side with a guy who's pretty well known now named Pete Egoscu, who developed this method in 1991. The reason that we've shared a stage together is that we both present at the Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within conference. Uh, in front of tens of thousands of people. And it, it was really amazing. Uh, one of the first times I met him to see him literally get 15,000 people all doing like high speed, rapid movement all at the same time. It's one of the most impressive things you'll see is a stadium full of people all doing Egoscue exercises at super high speed. It's like watching a molecule vibrate. One of the just just impactful things I, it's still stuck in my brain. You've also, or Brian has also treated guys, uh, you may have heard of like Jack Welch, <laughs> former NFL great John Lynch, golf legend Jack Nicklaus, and of course, Tony Robbins himself. And Brian's the author of a book called Egoscue Posture Solutions, and he's written just countless articles on the topic of posture and pain. I have personally benefited from Egoscue sessions. It, it's kind of shocking. If you look at the way Neo in the Matrix looks and sees zeros and ones falling everywhere he looks, Brian looks at everyone moving and he sees the zeros and ones in their posture and movement patterns and is like, ah, oh, can't we fix that? So he's, he's just got a gift of vision that comes from decades of hard work on this kind of stuff. He's on a mission to hack pain and to teach people to move better. And he's here on the show today to teach you some things that you need to know about how your body works, things that I certainly didn't know a few years ago. So Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. How are you, buddy? I am doing really, really well. I hope my posture is good enough. Is one shoulder higher than the other? Shoulders look good. Yeah, you look great. You look great. Uh, by the way, we might do a few little exercises, nothing too extreme. So if you want to watch the video here, we're at bulletproof.com slash YouTube. We'll take you straight to the YouTube channel, but you'll be able to get everything you need to get if you're just listening on audio in your car or in the office or wherever else. All right. I got to, I just have to say this. Egoscue is the hardest word to pronounce or spell. By the way, E-G-O-S-C-U-E. If you're wondering about this, you want to Google it. But Egoscue, uh, how did this come to be and why is it named Egoscue? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, you're right. You will be tested. Uh, everyone will be tested on the pronunciation and the spelling. And uh, I failed it the first decade that I worked with them. So Pete Egoscue is a former Marine um, in Vietnam, ended up with all these different um, hip injuries, back injuries, leg injuries. I ran into him in 1991. He had these back in Vietnam. And basically, after the psychiatrist basically said, your pain is more on the psycho level versus the physical level, he flips the guy's desk over, walks out and proceeds to pick up Gray's anatomy. 
And if you've ever looked at that book, it's, it's not the easiest read, um, especially when you can get online now and study anatomy and find some 3D models and things like that. So he opened up this book, black and white writing done way back in the day. And he's looking at it saying, well, that's interesting if my pain is here, but my hip has a connection with the spine, the rib cage, the leg bone. Let me start playing around with this. So here we have a political science Marine Corps major with severe injuries from shrapnel on his hip and back. And I ran into him in 91 coming from the athletic training, university trained exercise, phys, nutrition uh, background and going, wait a second, this guy's figured out something in regards to cause versus symptom. And it really was the first time I ever heard that, that somebody was actually saying, you may have a hip injury or a rotator cuff pain or a jaw pain or a chronic uh, neural problem in your hand, but that's only the tip of the iceberg. And we all know what that picture looks like on that motivational poster. What's down below is what needs to be addressed. And it completely changed my life when I ran into Peter Goscue in Florida at our clinic that we were opening up with Jack Nicholas because it was going after the reasons why Jack had blown out his back and couldn't move. And then the next day shot like eight under. And it was all over the golf world. How did this happen? And all of a sudden, the method exploded because of that. And that leads us to where we are now. You know, people are always talking about when are you going to get Tiger Woods in and things like that. And it's, you know, the client finds Agoscu in their own time. And that makes it right for us when they make the decision and they believe they can get well. It's funny. About four years ago, a friend said, Dave, you have to go, you have to go try this thing. I'm like, what? And she said, here. Uh, look at look at this tower, and one of the the tools of Igoscu is this wooden tower where you hang your feet up, and it kind of pulls on on one leg or both legs just as you relax for twenty minutes. I'm like, this is ridiculous, but I was having some low back pain. I've had I was screwing my knee, and I I went and I tried it, and I was like, wow, like like this really did move the needle in with things that were entirely invisible to me in the way I move, and I I, I like to think I'm conscious. I've done advanced yoga. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I would say above average in, in certain things, like I put my ankles behind my head and I, I can activate certain muscles, but it was a whole nother universe of, of just deep knowledge. Um, how uh, that was four years ago. And, and certainly it's just become part of, part of what I do and, and how I perform better, but I felt it, but I didn't feel it like I was going to go golf, uh, eight out of 10 or something. I haven't golfed in 20 years, but what did you do? in a situation like that to go from, I can't move, I'm locked up to I'm performing at the very top of my sport in less than 24 hours. Cause I didn't get that from my experience. No. And it's remember you coming in and that's probably a majority of our customers. They're actually, I'll say maybe a, a 20% minority is at their wits end. Literally they've sold their house, sold their car, done all this stuff where they cannot function anymore. Mm. And the other 80% are going in saying, Hey, I just want to perform at another level. Um, you know, they, they want to function at a level and, and take the next step. Our goal is to get them to focus on the cause. So when somebody comes into us and says, I have a herniated disc, we congratulate them. Hey, good job. That's what the disc is meant to do. It's meant to herniate. Hey, Dave, you have a screw in your knee. Brian Bradley has his ACL tied down to the wrong place on the tibia because of downhill mountain biking. Maybe the dumbest sport known to man because trees don't move and rocks hurt when you hit them at 50 miles an but hour. It's so fun. So, I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> It is. It's a blast. It's a, I should be dead for the stuff that I was doing. I just wasn't that good at it. So I switched over to ping pong. It's much safer. So ideally, <laughs> Me too. this is, you know, there we go. Well, this is, if we can get you to start thinking that when somebody puts a screw in your knee or my knee, instantly 
that same side hip goes to a neurological place and says, hey, maybe we should shut down this hip, not turn it off completely, but we've got to change the pattern that we're doing. So we're going to shut down the hip to change the way the foot strike in the ground to protect the knee. And then all of a sudden our knee starts feeling better six months later, but nobody turned the switch back on at the hip. So what our athletes are dealing, they're dealing with, hey, I have a rotator cuff or I have an elbow or I have a herniated disc. And we start saying, if we can get you hip driven instead of knee driven, ankle driven, mid back driven, shoulder driven, we've got to focus on getting you as hip driven as possible. The athlete now unleashes a completely different potential that wasn't there before they, well, the potential was there, but they never opened it up prior to the accident. So that's what we mean by the accident is a gift because now it's a, a focus that you've never focused on before. So instead of your body writing checks that your, your talent is writing checks that your body can't cash, we're able to allow those checks to be cashed now because your body. How much of the chronic pain, and so many people listening to this have, oh, that's part of my back always hurts, my, this thing always hurts, it's just kind of part of how it is. How much of that comes from postural misalignment versus just stuff that makes you inflamed? Oh, that's kind of a loaded question now <laughs> that I know that I'm on bulletproof. Okay, <laughs> inflammation, let's see here. Um, well, considering I'm addicted to Bulletproof, I will flat out tell you that it's uh, it's I'm not joking and I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast, but people tell me to shut up about it. I talk about it so much. <laughs> I you. truly believe. Oh, listen, that was uh, kudos to you, brother. Um, the the products and the just the the message that you're sending totally corresponds with the message that Igoski's putting out and absolutely corresponds with my good friend Tony Robbins message. Yeah. So the three of us are oh, yeah. literally changing what, what's going on. So to answer your question, the inflammation to me can be curtailed. Uh, five years ago, I would have said it's a hundred percent due to posture. Um, now I will say there's absolutely a mix between all of it because when you can chemically change internally, you're now able to calm yourself a little bit because the symptom is more uh, adaptable to your overall response versus before when people are in so much pain, uh, their, their eating is out of control, their drinking's out of control, their sugar levels are out of control. I'm working with muscle tissue that reminds me of beef jerky and not grass-fed beef jerky. <laughs> okay, we're talking about that garbage grain-fed stuff where you, you literally tear their muscle tissue and it's like, wow, this they're no longer pliable, they're dehydrated. So once they can make these changes internally, it may only makes my job easier. But I will tell you, every single person who makes a joint position alignment improvement, meaning your ankle, your knee, your hip, and your shoulder, once those are more in line, shoulders level, all that kind of stuff, your body is now full of an environment that allows all this healing to occur. So for example, I'm calling you from, from Maui, and two days ago I was on a paddleboard and I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm out there, I'm out there, I'm out there, and this wave comes in and starts to knock it over. I drop onto my stomach onto the board from the standing position, but the board was sideways. Ooh. And so my right ribs right above my liver here, I fractured the cartilage in between there, which is why you might see me taking a deep breath every once in a while. Because, But you know what I did is that night I started thinking, okay, you're injured. It's time to get in the tower. It's time to put the lumbar and cervical roll in. It's time to rotate in a couple days to keep that muscle tissue and those bones rotated to the right place because when you do fracture that cartilage, remember those ribs attach to your mid-back and your mid-back will then start to make adjustments and then your body says, hey, I'll just shut everything down. My right shoulder starts to drop two inches. Things just get off. Well, Igoscu focuses on 
Yes, you broke the rib cartilage. That's a fact. But let's not allow that to create a pattern yeah. that now leads to TMJ and a herniated disc two years down the road. It's that systems approach that made me really attracted to Egoscu in that, that idea that something that happens now has repercussions days, weeks, months, and years later. Because as a species, like humans suck at correlating events that happen a long time after the, the trigger. Even if you have something for breakfast and it causes the the afternoon crash, that six hours is enough. You're probably going to think it was lunch, not breakfast that caused it. Or if it's a, a four days after you eat something, you start getting joint pain. You're never going to know that unless you're a really crazy biohacker or you read something. And, and I was happy you answered the question, which was a loaded question. Uh, my experience is that like if my posture is out of alignment because of a movement pattern that I'm unaware of, it's going to trigger inflammatory cytokines. These are inflammatory molecules in the body and it's going to increase systemic inflammation. Same time, if I eat stuff that's on my list of suspect foods that I know are guilty for me, or I wouldn't do this on purpose, but if somebody sneaks some uh, fried oil into my, into my sushi, you know, they sometimes pour that, that like leftover fried grease in the sushi. It's disgusting. But oh, it, yeah. if something like that happens, I'm like, okay, I just did something bad. Uh, that's going to trigger inflammation. And then the places where I have a lack of alignment or I'm moving improperly, that's where I'm going to feel it first. Um, so my experience of Egoscue is that I used to get crippling upper back pain between my shoulder blades. And this has been something with me for my entire life. It was like always knee pain, always upper back pain. Some days it was better. Some days it was worse. I spent a lot of money in chiropractors. I could get some relief and I could do detoxing and all these different things would move the needle a little bit. And where I eventually got to was I figured out for me that, that I have a more extreme nightshade sensitivity than I even realized when I wrote the Bulletproof Diet. I would still eat some occasional cayenne pepper because I like the stuff. I'm like, ah, it's just a little bit. But when I went really cold turkey on it, my back pain reduced. But I still do Egoski because if, oh, look, I slept wrong or I moved wrong or I overexerted one side, if my alignment isn't right, I'm going to have pain. If my food isn't right, I'm going to have pain. I couldn't tell you which one is the trigger, but if you don't do both, you're not doing it right. And then you're going to spend some percentage of your precious energy dealing with the chronic pain instead of using it on anything else in your life that matters. And you're not a small dude. Uh, <laughs> you and I standing together, I have to stand on a six inch riser. So we're eye to eye. I get it. Right. But, by so the way, no when, airplane seats made for yeah, you. Yeah. And when we stand next to Tony Robbins, I feel the way you feel next to me. I feel next to Tony. <laughs> he's like six inches taller than me or something. I'm like, whoa. So, so yeah, it, it is worse when you're tall and the, what's meant to be a headrest for, for me is a shoulder rest. So I hunch a lot when I, uh, when I fly, which is just horrible. Well, let's start there. Everyone who listens to this show flies some more than others, but it, it's a, uh, you know, blessing and a curse. You get to get somewhere fast, but you're going to be doing these bizarre yoga positions and they keep shrinking the seats. What would you recommend given you know, this, these 20 plus years of working uh, with Egoscu, what should someone do when they're flying to minimize the damage to their alignment when, when, when they do this? Like, give me some tips here. That's easy. And let's, uh, let's assume that everybody listening to this, uh, let's assume they're driving right now. Okay. So there's yeah. things you can do. Um, I get a lot of people who commute from LA to San Diego, San Diego to Real Salt Lake, you know, places like that. So, okay, you're going to be six to uh, eight hours in the car, two hours in the car, whatever it might be. 
Um, I'm going out to business mastery. I'm going to drive from San Diego to Las Vegas in a week. Oh, okay, that's I'll, five hours I'll see you in there. the car. I'll be there too. Cool. <laughs> I'll see you there. Good. So what I do is I would say, okay, listen, we know you're driving, so please be careful. You want to take your uh, lumbar support out of your seat, like flatten it out, almost okay. where you're sitting in bad posture. But what I want you to do is take your tip of your tailbone right at the top of your the, the butt crack area and really kind of push yourself back into the corner wedge of that seat. And then you can pump up your lumbar control and sit up a little bit. So if we're on an airplane, we might take a small pillow or one of our jackets and put our tailbone all the way back against it and then put that little roll or sweater or something behind our low back, right in front of our kind of the belly button area and scooting your tailbone all the way back instantly with that little roll there forces your upper back to sit more in line with the chair. And because you're not slumping like that, I know there's a bunch of practitioners that I speak with around the world who are now combating the sitting position. Well, Dave, I got I to gotta put this statement out there because it's, it, it's very important for people to understand. Sitting is not the enemy. <laughs> it's a reality. We're not going to stop sitting. Yep. So sitting is a sport. We need to start training for it. We need to get our bodies well enough to sit functionally. So that when we do sit for three hours, my flight here for six hours from LAX, I got up off the plane like it was nothing. But I should have been handing out business cards the whole time watching other people get out of their chairs because that six hours of not moving was completely a dysfunctional breakdown to their body. And you can see them squirming in their seats. So just by sitting with your tailbone all the way back, putting something behind your lower back as you, as you pump it up in your car now, and then just relax your shoulders. Consciously say to yourself, Relax them down and back. Don't squeeze them, but they're back. And you'll figure there are some people whose shoulders are up in their ears all day long and they realize, wow, I'm holding, like you said before, I didn't even know I was holding that much tension. And from the Eastern medicine standpoint, a lot of that emotional stressor shows up as that mid-back shoulder demand. So simple changes like that, uh, getting up and walking around the plane to open up your lymph channels in your hip because sitting in flexion doesn't allow that to move the way it should. Um, I don't think just pumping your legs like that on an airplane, you know, while sitting is that big of a deal if your hip channels are shut. So you got to get up and move around, possibly do some of the exercises that I'll, I'll link, I'll give you a link to on this on YouTube that people can do those exercises that we do on stage at the Tony Robbins UPW stuff. I do those in the back of the airplane all the time. And I definitely do them when I get to the airport. And yeah, I'm a little bit of a kook, but um, you know how that is. You're you're yeah. you're trying to go down a road that you just don't care right, what I'll people do, think. I'll do handstands against the wall at the airport before I get on an airplane. Uh, people think it. I'm nuts, but I am, so it's cool. Yeah, nuts is a good thing. Now, one of the things that drives me nuts about airplanes is the armrests are like really high. And maybe if you're small enough to tuck your elbows in and sit inside them, that's fine. But for me, the armrests force my arms, my shoulders up because there just isn't enough room. And then they put pressure on the ulnar nerve for hours and hours. So what I, I find I do is I actually take a, a pillow or a jacket, whatever, and I, I sit on it to raise me up about two inches. So then I have two more inches of arm room so my arms can be in a natural posture. But it's usually not a full-size seat cushion. Am I doing a benefit if I get under my sit bones or am I doing bad things for my posture when I do that? No, you're actually doing a good thing because your your take your ergonomically correcting a seat was built, which was built honestly by the lowest bidder. That chair was built by the lowest bidder. Mm -hmm. So for you, remember, even a normal 18-inch chair that I have in this in this condo, it's not built for you at six foot four. Yeah. Okay, it's it's built for me, or it's built for somebody smaller than I am. So um, when you have to sit, 
Uh, I always do that. Like in my, in my Audi, I have the little armrest over here and I just move it up and down where I'm comfortable. And sometimes when it's too high, I'll go, wow, you know what? My shoulder doesn't feel like it because I'm driving for distance. Um, so I will, I will automatically force myself, sit back and I'll just drop my hands at nine and three as if I'm on the racetrack. You don't ride with your hands out here. Your hands, your elbows are dropped down. And so if you have to ergonomically correct something like that, as long as you can pelvically be comfortable, do what you need to do. We also, or you also talk, uh, uh, and it's kind of built into the entire Egoscue perspective about having your head forward 15 degrees and having your head forward 45 degrees, how it basically changes the perceived stress on your spine. Walk people listening through that whole conversation and why it matters so much. Well, you'll see a lot of people on YouTube now attacking forward head position. And, you know, um, I don't laugh at that because it's not a joke. Uh, it's, it's for real. What I really want to do is make some comments on there and say you can only attack that forward head position by going right at the base of the whip, which is the pelvis. You've got to get the femur head, the leg bone, and the pelvis to speak to each other. And then you've got to get the pelvis and the spine and the sacrum to speak together. And once you can reposition the pelvis and get a person more hip-driven, then that head will automatically position themselves. So for example, if somebody just has a, their husband or wife is there with them and they stand sideways in a pair of shorts only in their comfort of their house and they take a side view picture of their posture without trying to stand up straight. They will be blown away at where the ankle bone is, that little bone that sticks out on the side of your ankle. If you drew a plumb line straight up and see how far forward the ear is, it's probably anywhere from three to six inches forward. But here's the test. Pigeon toe your feet, touch the toes together, tighten up your thigh muscles, which it'll feel like you're sticking your butt out. Stand there for one minute, just like that with your shoulders relaxed. Have them take a picture of you standing in this position and notice how your head position has now become in line with your ankle. Now you can't walk around LA or New York with your feet pigeon toed like that. And so please let's put that disclaimer out there. I do not want you walking pigeon toed, but just because of the standing position, it changed where the leg bone articulates at the hip joint. And that has changed the pelvis tilt. And that has changed the lumbar spine reaction to the upper back, to the shoulders. So you can actually simply hack the head position being forward by getting the legs and the pelvis to drive this. And that's where these exercises are going. And the more you train from the hip out, and your listeners probably know this, when they're throwing a ball or swinging a golf club, they don't do it with their arms. Now granted, most of them do because their postural dysfunction took over. But Jack Nicklaus, for example, when he blew out his back, was an upper body mover. And we had to get him to become a hip mover again. My major league baseball players, the NFL guys that we're working with now are absolutely this forward head position and the chronic traumatic encephalitis stuff with their head is a huge issue within the NFL. And our job now is to, we're literally just chopping that to pieces and saying, if you get your body more hip driven, more supple or movable in your shoulders and mid back, then that head will reposition itself and you can kiss that CTE symptom goodbye. And does this have to do with more cerebral spinal fluid circulating through the brain and bathing the brain? Is that the mechanism of action here or what, what's going on? That's exactly it. Um, you know, there was a, uh, there was a special on, I don't know if it was Bryant Gumbo or somebody where they were taking an older, an older NFL quarterback who'd been in for years and they took the scan of his brain and the whole frontal lobe was just white clouded. And you know what it's supposed to look like. It's supposed to have that walnut looking idea, yeah. the ripples in the brain. Well, 
a, an adjustment to his cervical one and two using the NUCA technique, um, they basically five minutes later showed that his entire brain was much more clear. And that more importantly, subjectively to him, he said, I feel like my brain flushed. Well, the pressure that he's feeling on the, on the frontal lobe is not necessarily the brain itself. It's the pressure of the fluid that cannot leave the brain and come back down through the spine and then back up and forth. It's almost like the pulse is gone because there's a kink in the hose, in the neck. It, it, this is fascinating stuff because a lot of people don't realize that that cerebral spinal fluid that runs up and down your spine, it, your brain sits in a, in a bath of the stuff. And if you have a bigger brain than average, your hippocampal volume is, is higher, you actually have less of this fluid and then circulation matters even more. And if you're kinking the hose, you, you have a problem. And if you have a lot of toxins, they can go into that. And I've actually had my stem cells injected into my cerebral spinal fluid so they'd go into my brain. Uh, but that, that fluid in there is something called exclusion zone water. This is water that's been changed by mitochondria in your body to become more liquid so that your brain can do what it's supposed to do. So if you don't have sunlight, you don't have movement, which helped to change the water, uh, you have inadequate nutrition, or you have a kink in the hose, all of these are going to lower your cognitive performance. Like, like those are some of the some of the thoughts that go into that headstrong book, which, which is like, okay, what are all the little variables? But the kink in the hose is, is a major thing. Um, I, I had a chance, oh, about three years ago, to do some electrical stimulation work. So I have some very unusual Russian-derived uh, uh, electrical stimulation gear that you can use to turn on muscles that are, are turned off. And I was working with a, a very, very advanced practitioner of Sayak Kali, which is a, which is a Filipino-derived uh, knife fighting technique. So we'll, we'll call him a grandmaster of, of his martial art. Martial artists, as you know, are, are supremely aware of body positioning and things like that. So really good posture, really solid, great movement. And what happened though is when I turn up stimulation on certain parts of his body, immediately his head would scrunch forward and, and all that. And I looked at him, I said, you have a pattern here. Like when, when you're, when you're dealing with stress, you do that. And he goes, Oh my God, because I've been practicing for 20 years and I never noticed that under intense conditions, my head is naturally moving forward. And as soon as he became aware of the pattern, he then worked on recorrecting it so that the next time he's in a martial arts, you know, combat situation, he wouldn't unconsciously make that movement, which was restricting uh, flow to his brain and causing him to be unbalanced. So he might be defeated by an opponent. How much of this forward head movement is just habitual from looking at our phones versus I'm feeling stressed, so I'm kind of I'm I'm tucking, I'm I'm, I'm looking like a, I'm turtling a little bit here. Do you have a, a sense? Is that part of the Egoscue teachings? Uh, it is because you know I have a bunch of uh, MMA guys yeah. and some high end uh, martial arts guys over the last 26 years doing this. That my boxers they put their hands up yeah. by their face like this. They'd round their shoulders over because this is now in a, in a ball. They're protecting themselves just as if we were sick. Or just as if mm -hmm. uh, an animal's injured, they go and curl up in the corner and don't touch them. You'll lose your hand. And this guy you're talking about, honestly, let's say he was just a he was a knife fighter, but let's say he was just doing hand to hand combat. Well, the minute your head drops forward two inches like this, you've now think of the NFL player. You've now dropped your frontal lobe two inches closer to me, the guy who's trying to destroy you. You've now given me an unfair advantage that I can now start throwing. Boom, boom, boom. And let alone I'm drinking bulletproof, which gives me the unfair advantage, <laughs> but I, I know, I know, I know. But ideally, ideally, Dave, honestly, the, these guys are, they're so unaware. So think about how you, in his expertise in the field, 
change the way that he now views the body. Honestly, forever, he will never be able to go back into his field and look at it the way he used to because of the curtains that you pulled away from him. And, and just just for, for the record, uh, his body awareness was like 10,000 times mine. This was just when there was enough stimulation that, that it became visible. So uh, um, he was definitely in the position of teaching me a lot more than I was teaching him. But uh, the, the, the mindset there is it's, once you see it, you know it. But when you look at someone, everyone you see, you see like 10 things like that, right? How do you make someone aware? Like, so for, in my case, they'll run a big current until it, like, it, it does it, but that's not normal. So you're, you're, you have a client walk in the door. Do you just tell them like this, this, and this? Uh, it, it feels like the yeah. rationally knowing doesn't really change behavior. No, they have to, you have to figure out the way that, I mean, this goes back to the NLP stuff. You have to realize that a person is either visual, auditory, or kinesthetic in their learning pattern. So, uh, for example, when I'm talking to my good friend, Tony, right? I'm saying, okay, here you go, blah, 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 blah. Here's what's going on. He might have a thousand things going through his head because he's, you know, changing the world one person at a time or tens of thousands at a time. So I know that he's very kinesthetic. I go right at him and say, you know what? We're done talking. Get on the floor and do this, this, this. And he stands up and he comes up and goes, I haven't had, I haven't been able to take a breath like that in two weeks. Are you kidding me, dude? It could have been that much faster. And I said, yeah, you should have picked up the phone two weeks earlier. Okay. You don't have to suffer from this stuff. So that's why he does his stuff every day, you know, and you know, you know him as well as I do. He's flat out crazy as it relates to the, what he does to his body. He's all over the place and tries all kinds of things and he's on airplanes and, and it's our job to basically keep him as healthy as possible. And he has people around him that, that, that do that too, because he is so busy at, I'm not joking, changing the world for the better because of the changing their mindset and their belief structures. Well, somebody has got to keep this juggernaut going. And that's why the Agoscu is done every day. And even if I have to just send them, try this exercise before you go on stage, um, you know, you and I will talk in, in Florida. Um, hey, Dave, try this before you do something going on stage and just see what it does to your, your feet. I think the last time you were on stage, you had the five finger Vibram shoes on. Yep. I love them. They're unbelievable, right? <laughs> the girls And what I love about, you know what, who cares? That's, that's why we're married. Exactly. But ideally it's, you the older they are, the better they are because they become more barefoot 10 years into it. Mm -hmm. So everybody's like, how long have you had those? I'm like 10 years. And yeah, just don't wear them barefoot or they won't last 10 years because you know, they start to stink a little bit. So ideally we've got to get these, we've got to get people to realize that just a small change in their belief, just like what you're doing with uh, the butter. I mean, I, Dave, I hit so many people with your, um, your delivery of the bulletproof coffee alone and let alone the bulletproof diet. And you know, I'm not here to promote your product because you guys do so well at that, but just hear me out. All right. I run into people who flat out tell me, no, that's wrong because they're nurses or they're doctors or this. And I just tell them, I said, listen, you're talking to a guy who I'm not joking. My ADHD would not allow me to go through the years of university that I did. I would read a book to memorize it, take a test and forget about the stuff. I'm not joking. I tell people at the age of 50, I learned how to finally read because my bl- the, the brain finally cleared. And mixing that with the tower and keeping my head in the right position, it's an absolute game changer. Like the things that I'm able to do at 50 right now are just probably double what I was doing at 30. You're, you're the second guy to say that. Another one's a, a World Series of Poker a winning champion uh, who I, I did some coaching with. And he's like, I started drinking Bulletproof coffee, I turned my brain all the way and now I can read. I read two books a week. I never read anything before. So, man, 
thanks for telling me that. But like like the metabolic energy, you you always had your kinesthetic sense. It sounds like right your, your ability always. to do what you could do, and that's what drives your success your success with Egoscue. Uh, but now you're you're able to get more energy, so you can uh, maybe read more books about it, things like that, which is kind of cool. Uh, I don't even think it's. Um, <clears throat> let me clarify that. I've been labeled. Don't put Brian on stage if you don't want people up and running and doing crazy shit all the time. Right? Like, I'm just crazy. I get it. So I've never been short on energy. You take me yeah. to Vegas, uh, there's a good chance we'll be in prison before the weekend's out. Okay, that's not <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, you're a high energy guy. But uh, that's why I don't really want to call this energy. I'm telling you it's been clarity. Somebody mm. pulled the curtains away and said, that's where the sun is. And I was going, wow, I've been searching that for a long time. And it came across as I was, I'm trying this. My good friend Mark's got me on this. And I'm going, let me try this. Let me try this. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait a second. Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, I actually want to get up in the morning and read. You've got to be kidding me. Like the guys I work with, Peter Goscu said, no, wait a second, Bradley. Are you actually reading a book? And I said, uh, yeah, buddy. And he's like, you know what? Good for you. And high five Dave when I see him because oh. you know what? I've always wanted you to do this kind of stuff. So it's been a huge, I, a huge message. I so had, thank you. I had no idea. Th thanks for telling me that. And, and just for people listening, we didn't plan this. Like I, I'm like, I'm humbled. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. Uh, no problem. That, that's, that's so cool. All right. You talk about getting bigger, faster and stronger by lying on your back and working your posture. Uh, that, that's kind of a big claim, and I, I admit it would work better on Bulletproof Coffee to your previous point, but uh, just kidding. Uh, but how is, how is I mean, there's a lot of people listening to this who maybe they don't want to get bigger, but certainly everyone can use a little bit more speed. Some people want more size. Everyone could use a little bit more strength, uh, especially if you don't have to go beat yourself up with weights. So what does lying on your back, working on your posture actually mean? Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I, I really push this idea because back in the 90s, we were at a strength and conditioning association meeting in Florida. And one of the major strength and conditioning guys raised his hand in the second row. And Pete's standing about 10 feet away from me. And we're just on stage talking about this together. And he, stands, he raises his hand and says, so you guys are the guys that say that you can just lay on your back and get bigger, faster, stronger, waiting to stump us. And he looked at me and he goes, you want to answer that? And I said, please let me answer that. And I said, absolutely. And I just waited. And I waited. And I waited and I saw the guy's look in his face and he wants to argue. And I said, listen, I'm not telling you that I'm discounting your field. Strength and conditioning is I'm a huge fan yeah, of it. It's important. But if you're out of alignment in your thoracic spine and shoulders, then there's no way you are hip driven in any of those moves. So you are getting bigger and stronger and larger, but you're doing it in, in, a, in a cocoon of dysfunction versus Let's get you bigger, faster, stronger in the right alignment and now put you on the lacrosse field, the uh, horse racing. Let's put you in the football uh, on, a, on a defensive lineman position where people are slapping you and trying to get around you so you can get to the quarterback. They're trying to control you and throw you down. Well, our position behind that is get yourself in alignment. You will get dinged because you're playing a sport. But if you want to protect yourself as much as possible, build a set of armor around your body while you're actually standing in the right position and not having to think about it. So again, I look at you, you look at me and I, you know, my story with, you know, chemically what I'm doing now and focus wise and all that with Bulletproof. But I look at everybody when I see them, you're right. It's like the matrix. I cannot go anywhere without saying, I wonder if that person would get upset at me if I walked up and said, Oh, let me help you out with that right shoulder. It'll totally free up your hips. Especially when you're talking to women, when they're saying, I wish I could lose weight. 
I'm losing weight in my stomach area at the top part of it, my breast area, my tricep area, and my chin. And I tell them, well, aren't you lucky that all, all the mirrors in your bathroom are from the waist up because you're not happy from the waist down? And they pause whether they think they want to punch me or not. <laughs> and I flat out tell them to lose weight to this female is to wake up the lymph system. To gain weight to this male or female professional athlete over here, if you want to build more muscle tissue, yes, clean yourself up chemically, but ideally getting yourself on your back to allow the floor to create that push up against your body, letting it organically change versus somebody getting in there and adjusting you to do all the work for you will absolutely give you an advantage that you had no idea that you needed. All right. So now you've got everyone's attention because you talked about losing weight, especially from the waist down. Uh, how does laying on your back and working on your posture, like, like how does it actually manifest? So, so someone's listening to this right now saying, okay, I want to get my lymph activated. I want to be hip driven as long as it's going to make me lose weight more quickly or for whatever other reasons. How do I do it? Like walk me through the steps. And then I'll let you tie that to the immune system when we're done, because you're <laughs> going to know a lot more about that than Sounds I. Like a deal. So the, the, the little toe joints, the midfoot joints, the ankle joints to the knee joint, to the hip joint, all of those act as pumps to be able to move. Here's how a person will know this. They just take off their shoes while they're listening to this. Now, granted, they can't be driving, but when they get home, they get on their tile or their wooden floor barefoot, preferably no socks to allow those metatarsal heads to spread out. And they walk across the floor and just listen. Even if they have to close their eyes, where's my ankle hitting the floor? Where's that heel hitting? Is it on the outside? Is it on the center? Is it on the inside? And when their foot goes and transverses to the toes, are they pushing off just the big toe area? And especially your listeners who have bunions. Those bunions are not genetic. They are actually a learned mechanism on how you're walking. And really, we should be congratulating your bunion. Hey, thanks for forming because all you, you're there for is to protect the damage that I was doing to the, the great toe joint from walking incorrectly. So when we use this, we pay attention to how their foot is striking the floor and then putting their hands behind their head with their elbows pulled back and their shoulders down, now have them walk again and instantly their foot strike changes. Let's relate that to the lymph system. The body pumps northbound or upward. So these people that are getting all this lymph buildup in their hips down and they can't lose it, especially around the side of their pelvic girdle and their hip joints, all that is is fluid caught up at the cellular level. This is where you have to come into play <laughs> because what happens to these people, not only are they chemically dysfunctional, but they're, it's almost like their filter is clogged because the, the door has been closed. So it's like tilting a pelvis during childbirth. Hey, let's pull your knees back towards your head and you're going to push this baby out your birth canal. No, you're not because you've now tilted a dysfunctional pelvis into a, it's like throwing a water balloon at the fair through the perfectly round hole, but we're going to tilt the hole downward 20 degrees and you can never get that balloon to go through there. Now I just used an analogy that a baby's head's like a birth, like a water balloon. So I'll get yelled at for that one. But ideally it's that simple. If you reposition the pelvis, then the lymph system will do its job or the baby can now drop into that birth canal. And you, you know, as well as I do, how much bacteria, good bacteria, is in that birth canal that should be bathing that baby as it's passing through there to allow its immune system to do its job. So all of this is related to overall health and immune system, but it can only happen with normal heel strike and normal toe-off, which so, happens artificially when your hands are behind your head, but wouldn't it be nice if you didn't have to think about it? So you're saying that even something as complex as childbirth may be made much more complex because your posture is wrong because the way you walk is wrong. 
So, so maybe women who are uh, women who are pregnant who do egoscue or just learn to be more mindful of how they're stepping, how they're holding the pelvis could have an easier delivery. That's, that's kind of cool. How about don't worry about how you're stepping or holding your pelvis in a way. Let's give you three or four exercises that we can say just change your shoulder position, which then frees up your pelvic position and your foot strike will change on its own. And now instead of scheduling your C-section, let's give your baby a chance to go through the normal birthing process, which will stimulate all the brain uh, wow. stimulation for them. That was my very first book. It was called The Better Baby Book about you know how to how to have a, a better pregnancy and a healthier outcome. And there's great evidence you want the baby to go through the birth canal if you can if you can swing it. All right, so what are these exercises? And do these work for men who aren't planning to have children anytime soon? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I, I will tell you this, uh, if your listeners, if they just go to YouTube and they search Egoscue Anywhere, okay. E-G-O-S-C-U-E Anywhere, okay. the first link will be... Um, at a UPW London, it looks like I'm in a big airplane hangar. I have a black Agoscu shirt on and I run right. you through the arm circles, the elbow curls, the overhead extension. And then of course the greatest abdominal exercise ever. So that, you know, they can look at themselves doing that crazy one in the mirror, but I take them through a balance test first, close your eyes. Where's your balance left to right front to back. That's a good way for a person to get in touch with their kinesthetic awareness. A lot of people go, I don't really feel it. Well, I'd be crazy if I asked the person, how do you feel again? Because they're they're, they're not in touch with that sense yet, but the more functional they get, the more in touch they will be with that sense. So they can run through those Egoscue Anywhere exercises. And remember, the only thing that can be uh, wrong with this is that I'm wrong, which isn't going to happen. They're going to experience this and come back and say, you know what, Brian makes a lot of claims, but these exercises can back it up. And I've seen this for 25, 26 years now, Dave. This is it's been a game changer for me, uh, and I'll be talking about Bulletproof in 26 years saying the same thing. It's been a game changer, that big of a game changer. Like It, it taught me how to read again. Well, Wagoski taught me how to move, and I luckily ran into that early in my career working for HealthSouth Physical Therapy and then finally started looking at this from a cause standpoint instead of saying, well, you know, she's going to have a C-section because she just can't move her body the right direction. I'm sorry. These women are so much stronger than we are as men. Let's admit it. I mean, honestly, they give birth and we get pain when we're constipated. Okay, we're, we're just weak compared to them. So we've got to give them as much of a, uh, uh, an advantage to have that baby drop into that birth canal by walking correctly, but by doing the exercises because they have enough on their plate. They don't need to be thinking about how they're standing, moving, or walking. Now, these exercises, mostly like, like I remember some of mine, you know, arms behind the head, walking, and there's various uh, movements of the shoulders. Yeah, this one. Yeah, bringing your elbows together in front of you. Uh, uh, these are relatively simple. What's the average amount of time per day that it would take someone to do these? About four minutes. Four minutes. Huge investment. And... Uh, do you need to do them every day? I'm sorry, Dave. Let's clarify. Set a timer for four minutes. Okay. Four minutes, it's counting. Okay. So what happens is that's my French press making my beans, right? And all mm -hmm. of a sudden I can go arm circles, elbow curls, overhead extension. Wow. The timer goes off. And all of a sudden, everything's done at that point. That's hilarious. And then they enjoy the coffee. Because it actually is four minutes is the amount of, of steep time for a proper French press. So there you go. So your coffee's brewing and you're literally doing your basic four-minute exercise in the morning. That's cool. I got to shut this timer off before it goes off. Okay, there we go. 
that's uh, that's actually a really neat idea. Of course, then you still have to have some time to put your butter and your brain octane in the blender, but that doesn't take too long. So I I think I could make that work. Uh, maybe I'll get my kids to do it in the morning. They help me make my coffee. So uh, you're inspiring me to do my exercises more regularly. One of the problems of, of being, uh, you know, the bulletproof executive is that I have more exercises and pieces of equipment that I could do every day than there are hours in a day, much less that I'm a dad and a CEO and all that. Uh, so it's like, okay, which ones am I going to do today? But, but four minutes is, is a very, very small amount of time. And I would encourage people listening. I've done these exercises. I don't know, hundreds of times over the last few years. I don't do them every day, but there, there really is value uh, in checking these I out. I will tell you this, you're motivated by your children, as am I. Yeah. So I always joke with people, the people that do Igoscu together stay together. So the family <laughs> that does Igoscu stays together. So ideally, if you could say, hey, here are my children, let's put them in front of a mirror. And you saw me at the last event where I pulled some kids on stage yeah. and did some stuff with them. I love the innocence of these kids because there's no judgment there. They're up there doing crazy stuff. Whereas adults, we try to judge ourselves and go, hey, is this gonna make me look stupid or this? We always have to have a reason or a rule. If they could just take their mindset back to being a kid and say, you know what? I'm gonna coach my children through this. And they're gonna do the arm circles, the elbow hurt. And I have teachers who tell me this all the time. They can't stop the kids from doing that running man, the greatest abdominal exercise ever. Who I um, I got a hold of, um, Tony Horton, the guy from P90. Oh yeah, Tony's and, awesome. Oh yeah, and I'm yelling at him, going, I'm yelling at the computer, saying, you know, I'm yelling at him for the, you know, this running in place kind of thing. And, uh, you know, ideally, it is no equipment needed, um, and they are something. If you really wrap your hands around their abdominal muscle, you can even say to your kid, hey, wrap your hands around there, and you'll feel that daddy's kind of relaxed. But the minute you start perturbing with that movement of your arm, cheek to cheek it has to be stabilized at the base where it meets the pelvis and your little kid will go, Hey daddy, it got real tough or real strong in there. And now for them, you're leading them down a road of, wait a second, I don't have to do abs to have abs. First of all, I need to eat right. And muffin top goes away. And secondly, these muscles can fire just by moving my shoulders. And now they're motivated to do it with you. That's a pretty cool, a pretty cool setup. And this exercise you're talking about, it literally, you're sort of, of standing in place and you're running as, as you're running in place as fast as you can, moving your hands up almost by your cheeks. So you're, you're just moving quickly. It's, it's easier to see on video. And you said people could search for Igoscu ev anywhere or everywhere. Igoscu anywhere. It's okay. the fourth exercise. Your legs aren't moving, but yet there's so much leg demand. Cause if you add some time to it, 30 seconds to a minute, your hips will actually start to fatigue because it's like being a bouncer or I'm sorry, a boxer. You're yeah. kind of bouncing around like this. And all of a sudden those deep structures around your pelvis have to stabilize that perturbance up above. Especially the, the upper half of running in place. And, and I can tell you what, that's correct. Watching 15,000 people do this all at once as fast as they can is one of the more incredible things you would ever imagine. Cause it, it, you're just like, wow, <laughs> one giant like pulsating organism moving as fast as it can. It's, it's pretty cool stuff. From now on, I'm going to look at that crowd thinking that in mind because you're right. I didn't think about it as how much energy because everybody, 15,000 people at once doing the same thing. And it does look like this uh, amoeba-like thing that's yeah. moving and creating its own stuff. That's fun. You talk about something else, which is uh, around east-west versus north-south breathing. What is that? Okay, so when you can see somebody on an airplane, especially when they, when they go to take a breath, their diaphragm sits at the base of their rib cage. The nerve that innervates the diaphragm comes from the neck. So when you think about forward head and jaw being offset like this, people are already kinking the hose that feeds 
the neurological message to the diaphragm. And the diaphragm is a major breathing muscle. So think of it as a, as a suction mechanism. When that diaphragm can engage, it, it drops down to engage, increases all the pressure in the stomach area, which by the way, pushes on the intestine and allows us to have better peristalsis. But 22,000 breaths a day, if you can create that movement, it sucks more air deeper into the lungs. So you're actually breathing better by 35 to 40%. The unlocking mechanism for east-west breathing is to put your hands around your waistline and you should feel that it goes east-west. It's when you breathe in instead of this. Shoulders up, shoulders down. Shoulders up, shoulders down is that paradoxical north-south. When a person can't catch the breath, they're like, okay, I can't, I can't fire it. But if you can get them to fire that diaphragm, almost breathing into their back kidney area, that east-west breathing, you know what I'm gonna do? Um, when we're done, I'm gonna give you a link or an email that people can contact us. And I have a full um, uh, course on this that we'll just give it to them for free oh. so they can study this. And the exercises are tied right to it. That's cool. Um, th thanks for that. I think a lot of people would appreciate that. And the it, what you're reminding me of, uh, the way you described that, is there's a type of breathing called art of living, which about 30 million or so people, in, mostly in, from India, uh, do this kind of breathing. I learned it in Silicon Valley working for uh, tech startups that were founded by people from India. And I actually met a Nobel Prize laureate, uh, I believe it was uh, Mr. Black of the Black-Scholes model, won a Nobel Economic Prize uh, when I was meeting the founder of this breathing technique. And one of the first things you do in Art of Living is you put your hands right kind of over your, your kidneys, like right on your hips, and you breathe in, and you're supposed to say, so hum. And uh, I literally every morning for five years did this kind of breathing technique. And every Saturday morning, we'd get together with this group of just hyper successful entrepreneurs in Saratoga and uh, do this breathing exercises. It was, it was really remarkable how uh, just it, it cleared your brain to do this kind of breathing. And, and it was really about putting the breath into the diaphragm and feeling the three different lobes of the lungs and learning how to move into them. And it does stuff for your brain that is not rational, but you can feel the difference. And you're focusing on it for how long per day when you were doing this? Uh, you do about, I think it was about 10 to 15 minutes. And, and there's, you, there's timing of breaths. I don't know that I remember it all. I was in for four, out for, hold for four, out for four, hold for two, I believe. Gotcha. It was probably some sort of box breath thing. But the whole time. No, I think you have it. Uh, I just uh, read it again in the, um, in the Headstrong book. It's actually in, in one of the middle chapters. Oh, that, yeah, that's a, a box breath that's in there. But this was a very specific. It's called Art of Living. And they have a whole course for executives on how to do it. And I, I actually learned it at the house of one of those very senior Intel executives. And there's this room full of, of people kind of going, what? But you, you, it just doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't have to make sense. You're talking about like lungs. Lungs don't make sense. Like their lungs have their own exactly. job. Their job is to breathe. So doing this weird stuff made a difference. But your description there of when you're breathing and your hands are on your hips, you feel your hands move out when you do it right. And most people listening to the show right now don't breathe that way. And when you learn and if they, to do it, it changes things. Yeah, and if yeah, they'll look at them, they study it in front of a mirror, they'll just see it going up and down. Dave, one more thing, you did that for, let's call it 15 minutes to 30 minutes a day when you yep. were focused on this. Mm -hmm. That still leaves us 23 and a half hours left per day that we're doing that north-south breathing. So you could literally breathe yourself well 22,000 plus breaths per day if you can get your shoulders to quit dictating your breathing and get your diaphragm to dictate your breathing. And by the way, you have a big muscle in your body. I call it the filet mignon. And if you have vegetarians listening, I'll come up with another analogy. But if we have the filet mignon, the psoas, if we can get the iliacus and psoas muscles, quit blaming them for all your dysfunction. 
If we can get those, which the fascia is directly related to the diaphragm, the link between those two muscles is critical, but the unlocking mechanism is the position of the shoulder. So when somebody can finally get out of that north breathing and then south drop, and we get them into that east-west where you have your hands out there without having to think about it for 23 and a half hours a day, and then maybe use a, a focused breathing for 30 minutes, I mean, the results are going to be unbelievable. There's some really neat stuff that happens since we're talking about fascia. Fascia is that layer of, of connective tissue that, that ties everything together. It's primarily made out of collagen, which funny enough, bulletproof collagen. There's a reason I put that stuff in my coffee and in my food and, and things because you need a good fascia layer. But what we have now proven beyond any reasonable doubt is that your fascia communicates electrically. It is one of the planes of information transfer inside the body, specifically around where joints are, where muscles are in space. So there's a whole layer of communication that doesn't go to your brain between systems in the body over the fascia, which is one of the reasons that movement affects you so dramatically. The other thing that fascia does, and that all collagen in the body does, is that it's something called piezoelectric. And piezoelectric simply means that when you move it, it makes electricity. So one of the things that's happening is literally when you do these movements, you're charging yourself in a, in a very specific way and weight building exercise. Your bones are also piezoelectric. Your bones contain collagen. And a lot of times we just don't recognize that fascia is an information plane in the body as well as a connective plane. And I believe that's one of the reasons Yagoski can do things that defy logic because we haven't incorporated that into our logic paradigm. It says, hold on there's a, a change in the information status of the body when you move ahead or when you align something properly. Now what would have been noise in the system goes away. The system works better, less noise, more efficiency, more efficiency, more energy, more focus, more ability to move, less chance of being, of, of being injured. And it's, it's a fascinating system. And it's why I think there's a lot of room for hacking in and you see like network chiropractic, uh, you see some various movement, uh, movement disciplines that are sort of all circling around this idea but certainly Igoski has, has been very targeted and, and just almost relentless in looking at the system of all this stuff and, and having results that, that frankly kind of defy logic. But you talk about Jack Nicklaus and I, I've gotten to know Tony, uh, not, not as well as you, I'd say Tony Robbins, but man, he does not mess around. He has the world's best of everything uh, in terms of experts helping him on every, everything he can find. And there's a reason that, that you're there working with him, uh, because this stuff works in ways that are non-linear and just kind of cool. <laughs> so you too, bro. Oh, I mean, thanks. honestly, it's a, uh, I, I'll tell you a little story. I, I made him what I call the white drink one day. Uh, you know, it's the, the water and the collagen protein. And I, I put some, um, local organic San Diego honey in there and mm -hmm. some vanilla Madagascar some, vanilla some brain octane. <laughs> yeah. Brain octane for sure, which was the key. And, and all of a sudden, you know, the first statement was, there's no stimulant in here, right? Like I'm Tony Robbins. I don't need a stimulant. I'm like, Hey buddy, you got to trust me. And he took one drink of it and was going, okay, wait a second. This is unbelievable. So there's the butter. We went through all the stuff and I said, if it's too sweet, you take this out completely. If it's not sweet enough, you know what? You got to drink it. If, if it's, you got to find where your palate is happy and then you can hack with that a little bit. But that was the kind of aha moment that we had, um, you know, whether it was a year ago or six months ago or whatever it might've been, because in, in, in his mind, you know, coffee, you know, it, it's, it's a big deal. You know, some people, I had my first cup of coffee in my late forties because of you. And I'm not joking. Wow. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I could not stand it. But now I look at it and say, wait, the polyphenols are doing this. What's that doing to my brain tissue alone? But in the gym, 
I mean, I have these personal trainers coming up going, dude, what are you training for? And I said, yeah, I'm training for life, bro. You know, I, <laughs> sorry, hilarious. I referee some soccer. I play some ping pong and I hang out with my teenager. I can't let my teenager beat me. You know, I got to win. I'm the dad. Oh, that's awesome. But well, it's funny that drink the, we call it the vanilla, no coffee latte. Cause yeah, some people like coffee is not right for them. And I, frankly, I, I didn't realize the amount of pure energy that Tony brings out. Like, like you could just see him on stage, just, just, just doing things that are literally superhuman, uh, to move the mental state of that many people at one time. It, it, it's damned impressive. I cannot imagine that man on coffee. Like he, he's already like a ball of glowing energy. I, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think the coffee is necessary or even advisable for Tony. Uh, and I wouldn't say that for a lot of people, but, uh, having the cells in your body have what, what they need to be able to do their work is beneficial for everyone. And that's one of the, the brain octane angles. Uh, and I, uh, I, I think it's, it's fascinating. You talk about ability to focus for reading and certainly my ability to focus and just remain calm has changed from that stuff. But if you're, if you're doing any sort of movement based practice where you're working to realign your nervous system or you're doing something that's around realigning patterns of your nervous system, which is really what unleashed the power within a lot of what Tony's doing is, is basically looking at patterns that your brain has for the world around you and helping you to restructure them. It just takes masses of energy to do physical movement work or emotional movement work. And just have more, more core energy there for me has allowed me to progress my life forward more quickly. And I, I think that's a, a core part of any overall development program, whether you want to be a better athlete or a better meditator is just where, where does, where's the electricity come from for that? And that's exactly right. And there's just a touch upon that. You have Tony Robbins spectrum over here, which are the people that are just really hyper-focused on literally next level thinking, next level thinking. And then you have your medical community over here who they're on next level thinking, but it's been interesting. We're running a, uh, a study, a co-study with Stanford and Harvard, $10 million study on chronic back pain. And our preliminary study that happened maybe for 90 days with a very small amount already saw with minimal effort from one or two of our clinics, a two point drop on the perceived pain scale. Now you're taking people who are in this mindset of stress going chronic pain, chronic pain, chronic pain. And you're, you're unlocking their belief system by saying, what if you just made this change? Well, it can't be that simple. I'm special. No, you, you really are special, but your pain is not special. Let's go to the cause. And to get these uh, institutionalized places to medically realize this, with this, I was just watching the news a little bit, which, of course, that just pisses me off when I watch the news. Mm -hmm. But when you start thinking about it from the opioid crisis – what you're doing chemically, and again, this isn't Brian Bradley talking about how great your stuff is, but I truly believe this. What you're doing chemically for the opioid crisis could literally stop it. What Egoscu is going to do is attack the reason why these people have the pain in the first place. Right. And I mean, think about, I mean, I know that's a crazy statement. I'll probably get yelled at for that one from people sending me emails, but I welcome those. <laughs> Ideally, it comes down to educating people as to deal with cause, not symptom. Symptom is boring. Cause is something that's very exciting. And what we're going to do is we're going to change this mindset. And one of our Petri dishes is an NFL team that we're working very closely with. We dropped a guy on site, and now we're even going after the total dysfunction as it relates to injuries. You have a, uh, let's say it's me with my separated fractured rib. That should be out for, okay, hey, that may take six, eight weeks to put you back on the field. 
And then when the person gets back, their shoulders here and their heads up here like this, and all of a sudden they tweak their neck. No, our job is to get that football player back on the field as well as possible and as fast as possible, like a Ferrari that's in a race car at 24 hours of Le Mans, put new tires on it, align the body, get them back out there and not allow that injury to have its own mindset and create and wreak havoc. The same thing you're doing chemically. Very, very powerful analogy. Now we're, we're coming up on the end of the show. And I, I'm really curious what you're going to say here, but I, I've asked every guest for more than 400 episodes here. If someone came to you tomorrow, Brian, and said, look, based on everything you know in your life, not just you know your, your career with, with Egoscu, uh, what pieces of advice would you have for me if I just want to perform better at everything I do as a human being? Three most important things. What are they? Number one, uh, this will sound harsh, but shut up. <laughs> Um, you open your ears to open your heart. Now I know that sounds a little foofy and I'm from the East coast. So my friends are just rolling their eyes right now. But honestly, if we can get people out of their head and into their heart, trust your instincts, not Dr. Google. When you go to search for something, when something's wrong with you, cause you just get scared, trust your instincts. Do I feel like that is right or wrong? And when you, in a conversation, the person in charge of the conversation is the one listening. Because what I'm doing with my clients, I'm going, where's my little avenue in? What's important to them? Where is what's missing? Oh, they haven't been able to pick up their grandkid in two years. You can bet I'm writing that one down and we're going to we're going to move forward with that. Um, oh, they've never known love like this because of their partner, but they can't give it back because their body is and their stress levels are so high. These are big deals and avenues in. So number one, get out of your head into your heart. Number two, shut it down a little bit as it relates to talking, which of course I have no problem doing talking, but I've also, I think, mastered listening because I'm looking for ways in to help a person discover as I've done on my own. I, I had to open my mind and my heart to bulletproof for me as a non-coffee drinker to say, I come from a nutritional background and you want me to eat what? And now I'm up to almost a stick of butter a day. Now I know people <laughs> will go crazy with that, but the way I prep my food and I'm in better condition now than I've ever been as it relates to 50. And then the third one, honestly, uh, the amount of water people drink, I think is so underrated. We have to really push the hydration. Um, they're so dehydrated. And again, that makes my job harder. It allows me to work with beef jerky instead of a nice grass fed filet. Mm -hmm. I like that one. Oh, beautiful. Uh, that's uh that's a great set of, of advice. And I don't know that hydrates ever made the list before I'll have to check, but it's uh, it better with 400 people. It, it's a, it's a great, it's a great piece of advice and just, just the whole thing listening. Uh, well, th thanks for, thanks for sharing, Brian. And you said that you had uh, an email or some sort of a way for people to get uh, the, the exercises that we talked about, because it's really hard if you're driving to translate what we say, and it's not going to work right. So you, you want to see a video. You said they could go to YouTube and Google for Egoscue anywhere and yep. that you'd send them some, uh, another program. Uh, what, how do they get it? Yeah. If they want to email, I, I have a couple emails, but this email is easy to remember. It's painfree at egoscue.com. So it's P-A-I-N-F-R-E-E -E at E-G-O-S-C-U-E.com. And what you'll do is you just, Hey, let us know whether you like to, you know, you're just going to, Hey Brian. Okay. I listen to you on the podcast. Can I get those East West breathing courses and we'll just populate it and give it to you east west breathing course all right good deal 
And just uh, so you guys know, there's no financial arrangement or affiliate or any of that stuff. Zero. This is all just uh, just sharing good knowledge for you. On that note, Brian, thanks for being on Bulletproof Radio and thanks for all your work. And I, I love what you do in front of 15,000 people at Tony Robbins. It's fascinating to watch. And I'm usually out there in the audience doing all those crazy exercises along with everyone else. I look forward to seeing you in a little while. I think we'll be in, in Florida together at another one of Tony's Unleash the Power Event events. And until then, uh, peace. Thanks again. I appreciate your time. The Human Upgrade, formerly Bulletproof Radio, was created and is hosted by Dave Asprey. The information contained in this podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended for the purposes of diagnosing, treating, curing, or preventing any disease. Before using any products referenced on the podcast, consult with your healthcare provider, carefully read all labels, and heed all directions and cautions that accompany the products. Information found or received through the podcast should not be used in place of a consultation or advice from a healthcare provider. If you suspect you have a medical problem or should you have any healthcare questions, please promptly call or see your healthcare provider. This podcast, including Dave Asprey and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. This podcast is owned by Bulletproof Media.